Welcome to the GT Reboot. Mike and myself are back to host the show, and we decided to start off the new year by talking about games from last year and talking about some of the few news stories that have come out this week. Also, we talked a little bit about politics, about journalism, about literature. We don't talk about any of those things. We just talk about games. Let's boot up. Welcome to another episode of our show. My name is Joe DeClara. I am once again back with my co-host for our first podcast of the year, 2018. Mike Pierce is with me once again for the GT Reboot. Mike, how's it going, man? Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you too, man. Uh, 2018 started off with a bang so far. So It sure um, did. Oh, we're, we're obviously talking politics, but like, it's, it's right. definitely started off pretty interesting already. Yeah, I, it's hard to believe it's 2018 already, but yeah. Um, I was actually, I actually posted on Twitter a couple of days ago, I think. I don't know if you saw it, but I was reflecting back on 2017, and 2017 was a super good year for games. Yes. Uh, and 2016 was too. And I remember in 2016, people raved and raved and raved like, oh man, these types of years what a great don't year come for around games. very often. And then 2017 was just like the same, but maybe even better. So I'm wondering if we're going to continue on this upward path or if 2018 is going to be like a plateau this... or we're going to go down. Or yeah, what? I feel like this could be the slump. Although I think of like in terms of the Switch, I'm sorry, I know you you have no interest in the Switch. Yeah, no one but cares the about the Switch. But the Switch was a big joke. part. There's a, The Switch was a big part of why this was such a great year for games for me. That is true. Two of my favorite games came out on that. And then also it's just a great platform for games. And I think that... In one way, 2018 will be what good, I think, is that we'll get a lot of uh, ports on the Switch. Like, we're just going to get, like, an inundation of ports, like games for old Nintendo games, uh, semi-old Steam games that were popular this year, and now we're going to be on Switch, uh, uh, well, last year, and we'll be on Switch this year. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of that. As far as new content goes, I don't know how many games I'm excited for this year. Like, I'm a little excited for Red Dead. But from what I've seen of Red Dead, it's like, whatever. Uh, God of War seems interesting, but again, th- at the same time, it looks great. And also, it is a God of War game, and I had no love for that series before. So I don't, I can't think of any specific game that I'm just like, this is it. This is the game I'm really uh, ready for. And I might just be forgetting, but I mean, yeah, well, we there's... had a great couple of years, so it's fine for it to plateau for me for just a minute. <laughs> Yeah, there's a few games I'm looking forward to, but they're not. Um, I don't. I don't think any of them are AAA, at least that I can think of. Sure. Um, but there are a couple games that I'm looking forward to that are supposed to come out in 27. Or uh, God, see, yeah, it's the beginning of the year for sure. Yeah, man. 2018 is not a real year. Yeah, yeah, I don't believe 2018 is real. Like I, I've ever since like, I don't know. At some point in my adult life, I've heard years like oh in 2015 it's like 2015 it's not a real year get well, out of because, here it's because of hollywood man because we grew up watching sci-fi movies that took place or were supposed to take place like right now like right now back yeah. to the future three happened in what 2015 so we're already past that yeah 
And uh, there's been a couple others I can't think of. Oh, well, a really old one. Um, Space Odyssey. What was that? Uh, Space Odyssey 2000 or whatever the hell that one's called. That Stanley Kubrick movie. I guess it takes place in 2000. Why am I not thinking of that? I mean, it's a super <laughs> famous movie. Uh, it has the famous Wild. soundtrack and like the... You know, the, the apes are like beating using the tools for the first time, and there's like those concrete plinths, and has Dude. like the oh my god, the Exorcist, no, Shawshank Redemption. I don't oh. know. <laughs> it's whatever. like something, whatever the hell it is. You'll remember at the end of the podcast, and you'll just blurt it out. Like anyway, Pulp Fiction. And you'll yeah, the, the point is, we're we're in this time period now that like us as kids we, we saw a lot of movies that were supposed to be taking place now so it really does have this kind of like phantasmal quality to it where it's like that's not a real thing we're never going to get to that year and now we're yeah, here yeah. And, it's and it's like nothing's weird. different like yeah, we're not drinking different. moon juice and flying cars yeah. but tesla's taking is making crazy space machines for earth and amazon's taking over and putting drones in our houses and all sorts of crazy things are going to happen soon but it's not all none of it's real so it's all fine it's not You're right a problem yeah all. it's all it's all horseshit it's all part of but the we got state. great but we get great games so there's not we much do. to complain about yeah, as yeah. long as there's that and uh one thing we'll talk about this week is those great games and uh of 2017 and we'll talk about like some of our games of the year uh, Mike has played some great games. I've played some great games. And we have, I think, a very disparate list, but I'm happy about that. So we get a good var- variation of games, a variety of games. But before we do that, let's talk about some of the news. Always a bit of a slow news period uh, during the off-season of video games that is... Uh, Christmas and Hanukkah time right through to New Year's uh, but some stuff does come out like Battlegrounds Player Unknown's Battlegrounds came out on Xbox uh, Early Access or uh, Xbox Preview whatever their Steam Early Access equivalent is and it is running okay It's uh, I've played it once and it's definitely not PC definitely runs very at a slow frame rate but I mean it's still PUBG and it's fun and some adverts have gone up for it on Xbox and one of them bared a striking resemblance to concept art by one redditor reddit user Maxter and uh, this reddit user Maxter noticed similarities between uh, Xbox's promo for PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds on Xbox and his own and it was almost identical in concept uh, Mike, you witnessed this as it was going down on Reddit, which sounds silly, but it's actually very exciting when you watch some uh, trend uh, unfold on Reddit. Yeah, so I uh, I saw the guy, the user Maxters or Maxter, whatever it is, post uh, his. Uh, basically, he he did his sort of post like, "Hey, I made this thing and I posted about it months ago." Here I am. I'm updating you guys to let you know that Microsoft has now effectively copied my sort of fan art, as it were, uh, as part of their PUBG advertising campaign. And uh, and he, he posted sufficient evidence to show everything that he was saying was true and then posted the Microsoft ad, and it was very clear. You cannot argue that there is a striking resemblance uh, between the two. Certainly the concept is identical, even if there are a few minor aesthetic differences. Um, mm-hmm. 
And after yeah, the we'll post, post, we'll post a link in the uh, description of this episode, by the way, to the images. Uh, but we'll just quickly describe it. It's an Xbox, but the top of the Xbox is like this open field of right. wheatgrass, and a PUBG character is walking around. And the two images, Xbox's promo and this concept promo by Maxter, are almost identical in that regard. So yeah, it's right. it's unquestionable. And the, you know, the, so this guy's post, Maxter's post, where he, he showed that his art had been copied, got enough traction on Reddit pretty quickly that it made the front page of Reddit. And then it kind of became a news story. And then sometime after that, uh, I think Microsoft pulled their tweet because they originally, I think, published the ad in a tweet. And they pulled that, and then uh, it, it, it sort of went from there. And now the official, actual, like, promo ad has been completely pulled. Although I haven't heard anything about them making an apology or compensating him at all. But uh, I, I actually know some people here in London that are in advertising or that used to work in advertising. And they say that's a very normal thing, unfortunately. That yeah. advertising is just a super cutthroat world. And, um, it, you know, like, there is such a thing as intellectual property rights. But it is so hard to prove that stuff. And even if you can prove it, these big companies like Microsoft and some of these other ones will basically just intimidate you out of doing anything about it because their pockets are so deep, they can just keep you wrapped in court forever and ever and you can't continue to fight it. Right, of course. Yeah. There's really not, from what I understand from these people in advertising, there's so little incentive to actually sort of hold these companies' feet to the fire, as it were, that, that no one really ever goes through with it. Yeah, because your fire just doesn't compare to their fire, right? Right, their, and so this Their guy big kind of, fire button on their desk is so much bigger than your big fire button <laughs> oh, on their desk. So how oh, are you even going to compete with the re- monstrosity of the fire button? <laughs> I, have, I have no I, I have Do you no want to know the measurement that, of I... diameter of the button, Mike? Because they'll probably go into depth... Well, the real the real important thing is which one works. Who, yeah. Whose button works? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't uh, doubt that this is something that's happened not only for you know in this industry, but just for ever since marketing is a thing, right? I mean, right. ideas have been been stolen since uh, the light bulb, right? Like that. There's there's conspiracy theories for everything being yeah. an idea, and marketing is easy. Uh, to just pass around ideas because they're essentially just that. They're ideas sold in promo ads. Uh, They're not even products. They're just ideas. Uh, So I believe that this happens all the time. What's unbelievable or what's just very interesting is that this actually got so much traction, like you said, that Microsoft noticed and then took the ad down. And I think that's just a sign of goodwill, like them trying to show that uh, well, just them trying to earn goodwill and um, and avoid a PR uh, disaster. I think. Yeah, too. yeah. With with the uh, large, very vocal community around PUBG and around Xbox as well, and I think that's a good move. Um, I would be surprised even further if they contacted Maxter. First of all, Maxter is just some Reddit nobody. They don't know who he or she is, so uh, that would be interesting in itself. Uh, but I just love the fact that Reddit has this power and the internet has this power that some small timer who might not even be in 
marketing or in image editing at all, had a great concept for an idea, and it became created, but then they eventually got, in some regard, uh, recognition for it. And that could lead to something. And that's great, and I'm worried that that's going to go away in a few years. And I didn't like plan to talk about this, but you know, the idea of here comes the liberal knee jerk in me, but the net neutrality uh, laws being cut and being uh, thrown away is something that concerns me when in stories with stories like this. Like you know, one day this might not be as approachable or as possible as it is today. You know, someone a small timer on Reddit rising up the ladder of Reddit in a stint of justice and uh, and anger towards a large corporation, and then that large corporation feeling incentivized to react to it. Soon, there'll be no need for that, and uh, or possible that there may be no need for that. So I enjoy these stories while they last, uh, and I hope they continue. An interesting uh, thing, too, that people pointed out... Um is that no matter if he gets compensated for this, which I which I think is highly unlikely, and no matter if he gets a job offer from Microsoft for for this, which I also think is highly highly unlikely, um, the good news is that he clearly has all the elements of evidence, not even evidence proof. It's just it's complete proof. Um, that he can still include that in his portfolio if he is in the advertising industry or decides to want to get into it. He can show like, hey, this thing that I put together was such a good concept that it was stolen by a huge company like Microsoft and blasted all over the place in their global ad campaign for a huge game. Like, So he may, in an interesting way, come out on top or, or yeah. at least benefit from this uh in some way, maybe not the way he hoped to, and maybe not financially as much sure. as he hoped to. But if if he if he's trying to get a portfolio, man, he just got a really nice piece of artwork to add to his portfolio. That's that's pretty solid. So I guess that's the that's the silver lining for him here. But yeah, that got front page news on multiple websites. So I mean, that is absolutely true. Uh, compensation very unlikely, and uh, job offer very very unlikely, like you said. But it is totally likely that this becomes uh, pervasive enough that what some Kickstarter uh, campaigner sees this and is like, I want this guy to design our next advert, you know, and then he hires him and then that kickstarts something, right? That will, right. So to, pardon the pun, but like it starts something up for his career or something. So Maxter, if they are actually into uh image design and graphic design stuff like that this might have been their golden ticket to actually having uh some uh, resonance in yeah, the yeah. market so that's in a weird, in a weird cool. way it might actually end up being a good thing for them which sure is, which yeah and i mean if odd, they're but yeah and if they're no fool then they knew that they weren't getting compensated for that art even when it got stolen and also they probably knew that once this story went up on Eurogamer and Polygon, that like, oh, this is awesome. I got the top uh, placement on some of these huge websites. Now I have something on the record. And if they're smart, they'll put their real name behind uh, that Reddit thing and they'll get some uh, some business. Unless, yeah, yeah. of course, they have some seriously bad rep on Reddit, which would be a whole other story. But anyway... <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, pretty good on Microsoft doing that. Maxter, pretty sweet image. I, I think it was a great idea, the uh, the concept. So no doubt it got stolen. I'd be curious good. to see if Major Nelson said anything because he's quite active on Reddit. Um, but Major I actually... Nelson was the one who had responded to the incident. Uh, I deleted it already, so I forgot the quote. But uh, he, I remember uh, Major Nelson the... was yeah, the spokesperson of Microsoft, right. of Xbox, did, was the one who responded uh, at the forefront about the that's issue. That's what I. That's what I figured. Yeah, people were. I remember like the the first few comments in the thread. Well, not the first few. Like the first hundred comments were all like paging user. It's like you do you slash Major Nelson, and it was just like a hundred of those in a row. You, oh, there Major you go, Nelson, Major Nelson, Major Nelson. Just people yeah. paging him to try to get him to respond, and yeah. clearly he was probably. I mean, I think it was also like two a.m. Pacific time, so the dude was probably asleep. Sure, uh, but uh, but that's you know. his job. That's what he does, and there you go. And that's yeah, pretty yeah. cool that uh, yeah, that he was able to respond, and that um, uh, basically the response was something to the effect of we know that there's an issue. Uh, the promo's been taken down, and we are investigating something, something, something. So yeah, pretty standard uh, discussion there. More Microsoft news and Xbox uh, news. The Xbox One Connect adapter is officially dead as well as the Xbox Connect. So the Connect was discontinued. It does not exist anymore in production. Uh, you could probably still find them somewhere. I still have mine rotting in a drawer somewhere. Uh, and it, the Xbox One S and the Xbox One X, great names, both came out without Connect ports. So it's slowly been dying off. However, there apparently was an Xbox One Connect uh, adapter for those consoles. I didn't even know this. It went uh, from the Connect adapter uh, to the USB. And so you could still use the Xbox Connect with Xbox One S and One X. I can't imagine what for, but even that is now being discontinued. So the Connect is officially losing its last bridge into yep. this generation. Yeah. This should this should come as a surprise to absolutely no one. Like if you're surprised by this, you've been living under a rock. I mean, I'm shocked because. by it because I didn't even know there was an adapter. Like, did you know there was an adapter? Uh, I I had heard about it before, but I just mean, and not in, I don't mean it in terms of like whether you knew there was an adapter or not, but just the fact that the accessories that go with hooking up a piece of hardware, which is now discontinued, the fact that those accessories are also being continued should be a surprise to absolutely zero people because yeah. As you said, the Connect has been discontinued for a while now, and they've made fully two new consoles that don't directly support it. You know, you have to buy mm. this uh, adapter or whatever. So it's just, I'm just merely saying, like, this is, this was yeah. inevitable. This was, the writing was on the wall when they first discontinued the Connect. So this is kind of the, the nail in the coffin, the last nail in the coffin. We said that before. We said that's what's funny is we said that when Xbox One Connect got discontinued, and now it's like, no, there was there was one more nail. We need to get that last corner in there, and now it's the last nail in the coffin. Well, this, this is, is like one. this is like when they discontinued the Xbox, they they shut the coffin and they lowered it down into yeah. the hole, and now the now they're tossing dirt on it like this is yeah they're, they're, yeah. Bur they're <laughs> yeah. burying the coffin now they're actually yes, burying there you it. go yeah yeah that's it for the news this week 
Uh, so what we would love to talk about, it is 2018, and only a few days into 2018, so it's not quite yet time for us to stop discussing 2017 games. Uh, a lot of sites have their uh, Game of the Year awards out right now, and so I think it's pertinent for us to discuss once more some Game of the Year discussion. Uh, Mike, you and I don't have a lot of uh, similar games on our list. We definitely have one game similar definitely on our list. Definitely have one. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll save that for later, so why don't you tell us one of your games of the year? Besides the one that we share in common? But yeah, let's save that one, because we're going to have a whole thing about that one. Okay, uh, so I'll start with uh, South Park, the fractured, the fractured but whole. Um... I don't really know what to say about it. I mean, I did the review on, on Gaming Trend, which you can always <laughs> check out there. Um, sure. I'm trying to think when that even came out. Did that come out? Oh, it was a late game. Maybe it was like September, October. Yeah. November. I, I think it was something like that. Um, it's sort of the unofficial, I, I would say official sequel to The Stick of Truth. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, same South Park style branded humor, but they've got a completely different RPG system. It's more like a, uh, a little bit of a sort of a JRPG or no, the first one was more JRPG. I think this one's a little bit more almost XCOM, like with tactical grid squares. Um, and it's all instead of parodying, uh, parodying, Jesus, that's hard to say off of, uh, <laughs> Off of LARPing like the Stick of Truth did this time there, uh, period. God, I can't say it. Parodying uh, superheroes like Marvel mm. and like uh, cinematic universes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and they just add in all the crazy South Park humor. Like uh, I, I definitely think as much as I loved that game, there's a lot of humor. And I don't know if I said this when I was reviewing it, but there's probably a lot of humor that would be lost on people. Mm -hmm. if they didn't watch the show not necessarily avidly but at least some of the iconic episodes um, sure yeah like if you didn't watch the episode about cheesing um that's a, uh, yeah. that was a very <laughs> important one for for this game and it's funny to say ones. an important one like it's important to the narrative in in right. south park to understand but it's true yeah the the south park storytelling has gotten more elegant or just to not to give them too much credit but it's definitely gotten more uh in, like embedded in understanding really has. different yeah. jokes and stuff yeah it's more um continuous i guess like it builds on itself and so you have to know some of the background info to understand the current stuff but yeah yeah um it was a great blend of they they touched on politics they touched on you know gender identity they touched on racism they touched on uh hell the the catholic church child abuse they touched on like everything you can think of and they made fun of it all and in in just the inappropriate but intelligent and witty way that seems like only South Park is capable of doing. And I think for me, that's what made it such a brilliant game is that they they never shy away from anything and their criticism is so sharp and on point all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I just loved it. I think, I think there were some things that people misinterpreted. Like you can choose, you can choose your gender and it's not, it's not binary. It's not male, female. Um, and then, well, I th actually, no, I think you choose it, I think it is binary first, then you go back and revisit it, and you get to decide if you've, if you've changed, like oh, if you've great. become uh, a, a transsexual or 
some of these other, you know, they, there are a whole bunch of different possibilities yeah, yeah. that you could choose from. And then you get to change your sexual orientation and you get to change your race a bunch of times as well. Like, I think I ended up as like a straight black Estonian uh, devil worshiper or something like that. <laughs> it was it was completely ridiculous. Like sure, the combination yeah. that I came up with was insane. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there were a lot of people who were saying that they included these uh, different gender identities as a nod to the gender identity movement and to acknowledge the gender identity movement where like if you actually follow South Park and you understand their sense of humor, that's not what they were doing at all. They were making yeah. fun of the whole damn movement. They were just completely lampooning the crap out of it. Yeah, of course. But, um, but people choose to see what, what they want to see, so... Um, well, I mean, that's natural for just any generation. A lot of people say that this generation is very sensitive to uh, humor that, and comedy that pokes fun at any specific uh, culture or any specific um, uh, selection of people or uh, race or uh, sexual orientation or gender orientation and anything like that, identity. Uh, a lot of people are very sensitive to these jokes right now because they are currently trying to gain purchase in the actual, uh, in this, in this world. Like they're trying to gain validity in this world. So anyone that pokes fun at them, uh, is absolutely going to be lambasted. Uh, maybe not rightfully, maybe rightfully, depending on how the humor is handled. But generally, I mean, my opinion on it, of course, being a straight white male, I, uh, (laughs) I'm totally, accepting of all humor because I'm like, you, you can't do anything to me, right? Like, I, I have been given everything in this world and so there's nothing that offends me. Uh, but then I know people who haven't gotten everything in this world and people who are in a in the middle of their own uh, I, identity struggle and still enjoy stuff like this. I'm not saying that if you don't enjoy it, you're an asshole. I'm not saying you're a snowflake. I just recognize that there's a problem with South Park right now that uh, they exist in this place where uh, they've been kind of grandfathered into this generation where everything everyone's very sensitive about these issues now because we're fighting for these issues right now. So it feels like you're belittling the issue by gr- creating humor about it. I don't think that's the case. I think that it actually empowers it just as much as it demeans anything that's silly, like, say our president of the United States. And then there's other <laughs> problems that actually do require to be made fun of because they are ridiculous and insane. Uh, That's always kind of the, the argument though, right? Comedians always make the argument that, that, uh, comedic humor or that's, that's a, that's, that's redundant. Humor. But, um, yeah. Not that dramatic humor. But, um, None of that. Comedy. Shit. They always make the argument that comedy is a positive thing, even if it's about a sensitive topic, you know, that, that comedy is a, is a positive influence to a movement or to whatever. And I, and I, think, that's, I think that's mostly true. I think it really is. I definitely think there are times when uh, you need to be sensitive or whatever, you know, like if, I don't know, a big tragedy happens, you know, don't go, don't go making fun of it immediately kind of a thing. But I think in general... Uh, parody and uh, satire and comedy are are helpful to all sorts of causes, and I, I and I think you're right. It empowers it, and it it's a benefit. So, 
But I, I understand from the inside of something, it's probably tougher to see it that way. And it's never easy to, it's just not easy to laugh at yourself, I guess, really is the lesson. Like if you identify with any of those things, it's not easy to look inward at yourself and find it funny, especially mm. if it's a particularly sensitive topic. So mm. I get that. But uh, anyway, yeah, South Park. South Park. I haven't played it myself. I played uh, The Stick of Truth, and that was a fantastic game. Uh, I've heard uh, very polarizing things about this one, uh, not just to the effect of its uh, content, like its uh, comedic content, but also its systems and all that stuff. I've heard different things, but uh, I've heard from you that it's fantastic. So I'll be interested in playing it, it when I have it some was, downtime. It was stable, which is a marvel for, UB, uh, for Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked the combat. I liked all the powers. I liked the humor. And it really feels, and I think this is really what they go for more than anything else. It feels like you're in an episode of South Park. You're actually in an episode. And and that, more than anything else, is a compliment to the game. Because that's, sure. I'm pretty sure, what Trey Parker and Matt Stone have said almost verbatim. That that is how they want the game to feel. So, yeah. that's. I mean, they achieved that with... Um with the stick of truth. They so uh, I yeah. hope that it, the novelty sticks on, uh, carries on into this game. Uh, I haven't played stick of truth in forever, so I can imagine it being, uh, still being a novelty once I jump back in after a long time. Uh, I'll definitely play the game when I have some downtime. It seems like a cool little RPG on top of being hilarious in South park. So that's good. But you're going to have to play Homeworld first. I will have to play Homeworld. That is on the list for sure. Uh, a game I have played this year and love very much. I'll just jump right into Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Uh, there's That's been so much, yeah, so much has already been said about this game, uh, including on this podcast. Uh, uh, me as well as a lot of other uh, GT members have uh, talked about the game and have loved the game. I love the game for. Many, many reasons, most of them similar to what everyone feels. It is like this groundbreaking uh, title in the uh, space of open world video games and adventure games and uh, just level design in general. Uh, one of my favorite things about video games is level design and good level design and uh, traversing areas. Like 3D platformers and 2D platformers are my, are my bread and butter. Those are my favorite comfort foods and my favorite type of game to marvel at because... It well for reasons, and uh, I won't get into. But basically, <laughs> for, for I'll say like the most <laughs> compressed way. I don't want to get into like three D platformers talking about Zelda because uh, they're not. It's not quite a three D platformer. But the point f- that I like about pu- uh, platformers is that they are in a way emulating real life um, scenarios or real life uh, things by actually one-to-one emulating them, like trying to emulate the idea of getting onto an, a physical obstacle. Like normally things are emulated in a way that's not real. Like uh, an RPG is the most abstracted version of an emulation of real-world things. Like you're emulating a sword fight by having numbers clash with each other and taking turns. Like that's the most uh, completely uh, divorced abstraction of a real life thing like an emulation of that whereas platforming is trying to emulate physics of real world things and uh dimensions and geometry of real world things almost one-to-one uh obviously it's still exaggerated because in mario you can jump three times as height as opposed to you know a quarter of your height 
But uh, so I love any game that tries to emulate real world things and real world scenarios in a very fantastical way. And Zelda does that very well. Zelda uh, does that in uh, like the fact that you're climbing things and it's difficult to climb and it takes stamina to climb. And uh, also in the way that you look out at the world and the way your attention is drawn to things, uh, those things feel very natural to me when playing the game. And uh, it's also that thing that everyone's talking about, how the Ubisoft-esque style of open world where you unlock a map via a tower and then you get all these icons, that has been destroyed by Zelda's concept of unlocking one of those towers and then seeing all of the icons just as real-life things and then marking them yourself and going to discover. That sense of discovery was pervaded the game entirely from the most zoomed-in level of walking past a little stump and seeing something interesting on it and investigating and then finding something to the most extreme level of like being on top of a tower, seeing Death Mountain, and then creating this long-standing journey towards Death Mountain that has little journeys in between. Zelda was all about that, like this sense of discovery and the joy of moving around it. Uh, so that's the thing that you've heard everyone say about Zelda. Uh, and I won't pretend to have something that uh, I wouldn't say about, that that I have to say something about Zelda that you haven't heard. Uh, everyone says the same thing because it's that good. And uh, another really big important part of it is that it was a launch title for a console that is fantastic. I remember the first day carrying around that Switch in my home and... Uh, picking it up out of the dock and playing it while I, you know, let's be real, go to the bathroom and take a crap. I was still playing Zelda. The first two sentences in that prior to you getting to the toilet sounded like you were bringing a newborn baby home. Like Uh, you were just like, I remember picking it up, cradling (laughs) it in my arms and walking across the house. And and then I mean, I will. I took a shit. I will remember my first day with Zelda the same way I will remember my first day with my firstborn child. Absolutely. Although it'll be for very different reasons. There'll be Your a whole other world of discovery. Switch. Yes, my firstborn son or daughter will be my a whole other world of discovery than uh, Zelda, but and probably more exciting in its own ways. But um, Poop will be part of both of those first days of journey, right? So it that certainly is, will. Yeah, yeah. That, and you <laughs> probably won't be too happy about it. Yeah, no. I was so happy about pooping while playing Zelda, though. That was one of the best parts of it. That should be a moment of the year. People are posting about moments of 2017. That is a moment of 2017 anyone can relate to. Well, except for, Mike, you haven't gotten to the point of playing awesome games while pooping at the same time, I'm sorry to say. But we'll we'll get you there. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, I just, I guess I don't. I don't do that. I'm not a poop gamer. (laughs) That's unfortunate. We got to get you a Switch. Then you'll be the poopiest gamer ever. I, I keep great. telling you, Joe, that you were supposed to get me one. I've told you. I don't know where this narrative you, came from that, like, I was going was, to purchase. There was a bet. I, I seem to recall there was a bet, and you said if I won it, I and I did, you were going to get me a switch. What was, was what were this, the stipulations of the bet? I don't remember. I this at all. honestly don't remember. I think it had to do with the game. And it was back. Erroneous. In time. You're just you're totally making this up. This is a, no. A, this all is a thing, me. and we had a gentleman's you know a gentleman's bet. And you haven't followed through. The switch that I was and promised has not materialized. It has not materialized. And neither of us, not remember. It does not materialize, and neither of us still remember stuck the here actual... waiting. Like, 
thinking of these awesome games that I could be playing and still no Switch. And I'm I mean, it sounds pretty good and nullified because neither of us remember the stipulations of the bet. So it's not I no, mean. it's definitely not nullified. It has to, to, to be null and void. We both have to agree on it. I'm here and now. I'm telling you, it is definitely not null and void. All right. Well, you you let me know when you've remembered, and then I will <laughs> owe you a Switch. Okay. I will. Mike, what's another game on your list for this past year? Well, this is going to come to a huge shock, as anyone that uh, listens to this podcast will know about me, and that would be uh, Total War Warhammer 2. Yes. Dude, um, you there was like October and November where all the games were coming out. Like, they were coming out on the same days. And I was like, I'm playing this Mario right now. I just started up Wolfenstein, and I'm not going to play Assassin's Creed. Can't play that. I just, Talking about Battlefront, and you're like, I've been playing Total War Warhammer as well. It's <laughs> still happening, and yeah, that man, was your it's... game, man. That's I'm surprised that's not just your overarching game of the year because you played so much of that game. It's insane. Well, so what I tried to do with the it's interesting you bring that up with my three games of the year. Now, granted, I don't, as should also be obvious to most listeners, that I don't, uh, I don't play a lot of games. I tend to focus on just a small handful. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but so what I tried to pick out for my games of the year was games that gave me a different experience that that I didn't really feel like I could get elsewhere. And I guess in a way, Total War Hammer doesn't necessarily fit that because, yeah, there are other Total War games out there mm-hmm. for sure. But Total War Warhammer 2 is the only Total War game to have released in 2017. So, <laughs> so, so there you go. So there it um, is. But... Uh, yeah, for me, it's just a different. I love the. I love the format. I love the strategy. I love the. Uh, I think a big, certainly a huge part for me is I'm a big Warhammer fan. Just like the, the lore and the universe and the races and the. I used to play the tabletop game when I was younger. Um, so that is a big draw for me, and I'm, I guess I'm, significantly biased in that way. Um, mm. But uh, they just they really bring it alive, and it's incredible. I don't think there's very many opportunities as an adult when you see a game as a kid prior to any sort of good technology existing to bring that game alive. And then as an adult, you actually get to see that game brought to life and it becomes an interactive experience and you can be a part of it and immerse yourself in it. And that's why Total War Warhammer is so ridiculously fun and I'm so damn addicted to it because Mm. I remember as like an 11-year-old, actually thinking and this was i was into strategy games even as an 11 year old but i remember thinking like oh my god this game would be incredible if it was a strategy game i didn't know about total war uh the total war games then but i do remember thinking like as a young kid holy shit i hope this becomes a strategy game and now 20 years later or whatever it is here it is and i'm at home playing it regularly so it in a way it is almost like a dream come true uh, for little little young Mike, so that's funny that because I I know I've come up with like my own fantasy games. Like when I was mm-hmm. younger, like wouldn't this be great? I would love it if this were a thing. Like one thing was uh, playing GTA, and I remember being into Halo at the time. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if I could experience this in first person? And I had the freedom right. of like Halo's like mobility and that perspective because I just love first person. And then years later. GTA 5 comes out with first person mode and also right. Skyrim came out and that was kind of its own thing that was similar like having that open world 
in first person was a big deal. But other things that I came out with were like, wow, I would really love it if uh, GTA-style stuff became an RPG, be- like a turn-based RPG with fantasy elements. And like, because I was into fan- uh, Final Fantasy while I was also into GTA, like street smarts and things like that. So those kind of things, those wild things did not come up ever in my lifetime. So it's funny that like you had this, wow, wouldn't this be great as an RTS? And it eventually came to fruition that is a pretty sick thing to be realized in from right. my childhood and i think i think that is just why it's it i think it was it's it's one of my games of the year this year and i know total war warhammer one was last year and if total war warhammer three comes out this year and i th- mm-hmm. think it might uh that will probably also be one of my games of the year of 2018 so, and now they've combined the two. Like, it's just one gigantic map, and they'll combine all three at the end. So, I don't know. What's not to like? It's amazing. Man, I, I, the, the amount that you talk about it, I get more and more interested in doing it. But I swear I just should just get into a MOBA if I'm going to get into something where I'm clicking on characters and clicking on placements. Because the MOBAs are just more, like popular and more like alive uh, right now like it's Mobas tough are, they're different though i mean and it's much more intense and much more micromanage intensive um uh, like well, that's total, not and they're and yeah, that's they're upsetting. much they're much faster paced like mm-hmm. uh yes total war warhammer 2 is not a fast-paced game mm-hmm. definitely not like the battles can be but you also have the ability to pause them to play them in like halftime or fast forward them so you can like in the middle of the battle you can just be like oh wait pause you know move your units around a little bit yeah set some orders in and things like that so it's that's more my experience yeah yeah Yeah. like my the strategy game that i actually play is turn-based stuff like uh advanced wars or more importantly like civ like civ 6 i was playing so total warhammer is it is turn-based like when you're in the when you're you know you do your turn and then you hit end turn and all the ai players do all their things and um you can play a co-op too like we could play a co-op campaign together and we could be we could be allied and we could like invade cities together or do battles together and even if it's just like Let's say if one of your armies gets in a battle, whether you're attacking or defending, it doesn't matter. Mm. I can choose um, to spectate that battle with you. And then if you want, you can give me as many of your units as you want during that battle. So if you're like, I just have too much shit. If you can just manage this over here, that'd be great. Or like here, just have this unit to mess around with. It, it sounds like, awesome when you say, let me get through Deserts of Karak first, and then I'll tell you if I'm ready to dive into more RTS madness. Should we talk PUBG? Well, let me get in one third game. So, uh, well, my third, I guess. It's not a third game. Like the third game is PUBG. I couldn't possibly whittle it down. We might just have to talk about PUBG because I have so many other games on my list. That it'd be hard to like, like I would pick maybe near near automata was a fantastic game. Oh man. There were so many great games this year. <laughs> Getting over it with Bennett Foddy was probably a good one. I'll just choose that to talk about because it is, uh, a fun, really frustrating, interesting, challenging game that came out this year. I mean, it's a great game. It's uh, I was, I hate it and I've beaten it. And it was one of the most challenging things I've experienced in games. But it was 
this great test of will and uh, resilience that I didn't think I had, that I didn't think I was capable of. What's great about it is that Bennett Foddy, this is the same creator of Quop, if anyone remembers that. I don't know if you remember Quop. Quop was the game where you use QWOP and I think other things to control this marathon runner's limbs in order to run. It was like a mm-hmm. flash game maybe, or it was like a very, it was a very simplistic game where you controlled the joints of this uh, character and it was very awkward to control and you couldn't get him to run like once and he would fall over. But this is the same creator as this game. And uh, this is, I think, a much more interesting, more fun game. Uh, what he did was he took the concept of this game called Sexy Hiking, uh, made by some developer, and it featured a very similar character, this, this shirtless man with a hammer that was climbing this uh, mountain of stuff, uh, just random stuff like rakes and wagons and furniture and like beach balls and slides and all sorts of crap. And it's basically just random assets that he found in the like game building store, like the Unreal Engine store or whatever. And so he just built the entire game of crap that he found in those stores. Uh, and it's a 2D platformer, essentially. You're using your mouse only to swing around this hammer and get this character that the hammer is attached to over all the stuff. So you're getting over it. Uh, but also it's kind of, uh, you know, it works, uh, two ways. It's getting over it. Like you kind of get very frustrated. That's part of the game experience and there's no real checkpoint system. There's no save system, except it saves exactly where you are at all points. So anytime you mess up, you can very well fall back very, very far. Like if it took you 15 minutes to climb this one little obstacle, you could fall all the way past that with one slip of your hammer. And the hammer is very unwieldy. So you often fall back. And there are multiple places where you could fall back straight to the very beginning of the game. And it creates some really feel-bad situations. Sounds horrible. And it's great because every time uh, Bennett Foddy will hit you with a little quip, he'll be like, oof, man, that must suck, man. Isn't that terrible that you fell all the (laughs) way back there? Because he's got this voiceover playing throughout the entire game, and it's just hilarious what he does and uh, some of the things he says. But while you're progressing, if you're not falling back and he's not poking fun at you, he's discussing building this game and the experience of the game design. And he's explaining to you, and then his own feelings on games culture and media culture in today's day and age. And it's very interesting. And uh, it goes from... He goes from this troll, this like low rolling troll that pokes fun at you every time you fall to this genuine like uh, fan. Like he's encouraging you like, come on, you can get past this. You're, you can swallow a baseball bat. You're so fucking tough. Like you can do it. And by the end, it becomes the most genuinely fond relationship he has with you that he's fond of you for having beaten the game. And uh, so the moment you actually do beat the game, you've learned so much about the game and you've gotten so intimate with it that it feels like a real like victory. And there's only a few games this year or even this generation that I felt that way. Uh, wow. 
So that's a pretty cool experience. Um, another game like that is PUBG, and other games like that are like Dark Souls, but that's previous generation. Like games that I feel like actually meant something when I beat them. Those are the kind of games that stick with me. And Bennett Foddy, getting over it with Bennett Foddy is one of those games. And that will definitely be the game I force you to play after I finish Homeworld. Or you play it while I play Home. I don't know how the thing works, but you gotta play, you gotta get over it with Bennett Foddy. And uh, we'll see. We'll see about be, that. It'll be a good exp- Or you gotta try at least. Sounds alright though. It sounds alright. It's a cool it's a cool you, idea for a game. It is not made for everyone. Like if you can moved me from thinking it sounds awful to thinking it's all right so that's your it's a step in the right direction it's uh it is definitely frustrating it's definitely i won't i don't want to romanticize it too much it is definitely like you're swinging this mouse and your mouse isn't quite doing exactly what the hammer is doing and you just grit your teeth a lot in this game uh i eventually found it relaxing except for a couple of places that have become even infamous on reddit like there's this one place called the devil's chimney it's not called anything in the game but people have referred to it as the devil's chimney and fuck that spot like that spot is so hard like even when i've i've beaten the game multiple times now like i know how to run through it but fuck the devil's chimney like that part is always hard and it's at the beginning of the game so you know, there's there's spots that's just really rough, but it's an interesting game nonetheless because of the voiceover by itself, like what he discusses uh, during the playthrough. So that specifically made the game for me. Um, but let's talk about PUBG, man, the obvious game of the year uh, for right. this year. Yeah, that's the one that we share in common is PUBG, Player Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Um, yeah, this is a story game, man. This is like for, the for me- sorry, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Oh, in keeping with what I was saying earlier about me trying to pick games that provide a unique experience, that that is like PUBG. If if there was one way to to distill uh, my praise of PUBG in a quick sentence, it's just that it provides an experience you really can't find anywhere else. I mean, yeah, I get it. Fortnite, there you know, has a battle royale, and there's a couple other places that have tried to mimic it, but there's nothing like PUBG. There really isn't. Mm. Like, there's just no way. And that's that more than anything, I think, is what draws so many people into it. There's just nothing like it. It's crazy. Like, the you cannot be so nervous, but so excited and so on edge for so long, I think, in that game. Like, uh, uh, more so in that game than any other game I've ever played. It's crazy. And yeah, yeah. The experience of getting to that last round. And especially winning, like the first win I got, and I know you haven't won yet, but you've been playing dedicatedly, like over the past few days at the very least, but I think past few weeks, and I've taken notice of that. And you're gonna obviously you're gonna get the win, and it's gonna be great because like the first time I won, I don't know if you've had this experience. I know you've gotten to like the last round, but like it is so convincing how intense that last round is is my hands were like shaking like this and i couldn't breathe i couldn't like compose myself (laughs) after winning that first game it was uh, so surreal and that i i will never forget that as long as i live like that was an incredible game i remember just every beat of that game and every beat of that last round like we were playing a squad match like it's a story to me and there's so many stories like this we were playing a squad match. Uh, 
I was playing with a friend that is very experienced in the game. He's like squad leader. Like he is obsessed with this game and knows it inside and out. So uh, we were playing and uh, there was this point where we, all three of us were down besides him. And he was at this house with the team that had downed us. We were about a hundred yards out and we thought the game was over. And then we hear shots, and he's silent. Sometimes he just goes off the grid for a second, this kid, because he's, like, a mysteriously fanatic of this game, and, like, he is very, very focused. And then the shots are going, and me and my friend are sitting there bleeding out, wondering what's going on, knowing he's going to die. And then we see someone running, and sure enough, it's him. And he's running towards us. He's like, I killed everyone. And he's beating <laughs> everyone. And then, unfortunately, we start. We were thinking of looting them when he got us up. We heal up. Then we realize the circle's closing to our yeah. left. We got to move right, and everything's ahead of us. So we abandon all the stuff. Our friend Ryan goes for it because he's crazy. He gets killed by the last guy that Mike did not kill. And so we're moving away. We get to a second circle. Mike gets downed, and the circle starts moving again. He says, forget it. Go without me. Go without me, Joe. And I leave my friend behind. And that was painful. Like, leaving someone behind in a video game is not a thing that exists. If you leave your friend in Overwatch behind, don't matter. He's respawning in 30 seconds. You leave him behind right. in PUBG, it's real. He's going away. And so I start moving to last circle. And long story short, I won. Like, we, we had this last minute where... I took off the level three help, uh, backpack because it's tall and I don't, I don't want it sticking out in the grass. All these little things that I did to win the game, and it was the most thrilling experience. And I've won other games before after that, but that was one that I will never forget, just the little things that happen. It's those moments that make this game absolutely, like, must be game of the year. Like, Zelda, I might say, is game of the year, but it's hard to compare the two because one is a masterpiece of single player and once a masterpiece of multiplayer in right. every sense of the word. Like it's really incredible. Yeah. Game. I think that's the thing with PUBG is that it's, it, there's so many stories, right? I mean, I've, I've got, I have loads and loads of them already. Like just, I think it was just yesterday. Uh, my two buddies, Alex and Nate, we were, we did a three man, a three man run and we got really far. We ended up finishing top eight, top seven, something like that. There were, I think there was only one or two groups left and they had, they were missing one or two members each. Um, but, uh, we, we got in the most insane firefight I've ever been in, in PUBG. We, uh, we found a little house to hide out in and it was getting close to the end of the match. So the circles were pretty small and we found a decent house that had good lines of sight over the circle. And we had an elevation advantage and some cover we thought we'd wait it out there until the circle started closing in again. Then we spotted some dudes on a hilltop in the distance, but we decided not to fire on them because it just gave our position away. And there wasn't, they were already engaged in a firefight. So we just decided to let them go. Then I look out the other window and I see some other guys, three of them very close to us, like almost right on top of us. So I'm just like, all right guys, we got to open up on them. And so we start opening up, and to those guys, we kill two of them, uh, and then the other one's kind of hiding away. And then as that's going on, as we're shooting at those nearby guys, the people on the far hill realize that we're there, because guess what? We're just, you know, blazing away. So then they start shooting at us. So we're sitting in this house, and we've got at one point six or seven people shooting into the house, and we're just, like, calling out, like, degree numbers on, like, where everyone is and reloading, and we're getting to the point where... 
I'm asking my buddies for ammo. They're like throwing boxes of ammo down the ground because we're all running out of ammo. I'm like, you got any five five six? No, I'm all out. What about you, Alex? You got any seven six two? And I throw some seven six two down on the ground and reloading. And like it was just, it was completely insane. And I think we ended up killing six or seven people. And then um, last guy just surprised us. We didn't even see him, and he just came up in the window and just blasted all of us to bits. But. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's one of those games you just get these crazy stories and these tense moments and there's just nothing like it. Um, there's so, uh, the secret to it, I think, is just the large scale factor. The fact that there mm-hmm. are 100 people in a large map like this, like this large open world sized map is such a huge factor that like there can be these multiple fights happening. Like it's something that I had thought of this was like we were talking about our fantasized video game uh concepts from Mm -hmm. back when we were kids i remember and i say this in my little uh game of the year list i remember back in the day playing halo 2 and the concept of big team battle being introduced to me like oh we can have tons of people in the same map and there can be compartmentalized fights happening that eventually converge like i remember halo 2 if if for to get real deep in the weeds of halo 2 there's a map called Headlong on Halo 2. And obviously people talk about Coagulation or uh, Blood Gulch being the main maps. But like Headlong had these very separate uh, compartmentalized areas of the map that you could be having small little firefights down a hallway that was inside a building several stories high. While you could also have this large scale vehicle battle happening on the f- ground floor of this construction site. And it was just a wildly diverse map. And, but it was obviously a, sick, a map built for only 16 players, which seemed huge at the moment. And then, yeah, that was a lot of people back then. Yeah, back yeah. then that was huge. But obviously, as we're gamers, we're never satisfied. Once we've discovered and experienced something long enough, we think of the next level. Like, oh man, what if we had like 100 people? What if there was all out war in Halo? And I had waited for a long time for all out war, like 100 people. And this game fulfills that fantasy for me like i remember moments of throwing a grenade that i never thought was possible uh into a building in PUBG, and then killing two people with one with one grenade thrown perfectly into a window that was a hundred like not a hundred yards away but it was forever away and that was very much an experience i had in halo but at a smaller scale and then people come in driving in on a car ablaze while that's happening, you know, that is something from a totally different part of the map. That's something that happens in this game. Like, there are things happening on the opposite side of the map, the hundred, hundreds of hundreds of meters away. And you don't know about it because you're having your own insane firefight. And all of that eventually converges into one small circle. And that is absolutely unbelievable to me. And uh, the amount of crazy action that can happen against the amount of very small covert stealth action things that can happen in this game it's so multifaceted and so interesting and so much fun and very easy to just hang out with your friends and play all night on like this is a multiplayer experience i have not had since like i said halo 2 and i've played all so many uh multiplayer games i've played a lot of the shooters uh and none of them really emulate that like since call of duty 4 the multiplayer experience has been very much the same in the shooter genre 
Like Halo, That's very true. Yeah, this is, in my opinion, a return to Halo 2's format. I'm sure there are other games that I don't know about. I'm not a like uh, heavy shooter player, but I every time I've picked up a shooter uh, that I like the campaign of or something, I found it to be a similar experience. Overwatch was something of a diversion from the uh, old Call of Duty concept, but you're still in a very small map uh, playing against. Uh, six other players or or four other players and you're respawning very quickly and you're you know just having very quick moments of battle and it's just all out battle it's not a lot of strategy even though overwatch is way more strategy heavy than any of the other shooters that have come out this game is completely on another level this is a totally other experience and i'm excited well, and to I see think- it yeah. What else is really another thing that's really interesting about it, and this it, it's a very frustrating thing, but it's also a very real thing, is there's a lot of luck involved. There really, really is. Like yeah. no matter what people want to tell you, there's a massive amount of luck involved uh in in player unknowns battlegrounds. There's a lot of skill too. Absolutely there is. But uh there's a lot of luck. Like the area you pick on the map, you know. It's complete luck as to whether or not the circle is going to enclose right around you. And if it does, that's a huge advantage for you because you have way more time mm-hmm. to go around and loot and get comfortable and find a place to hide out. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you're one of those people on the edge, you are just constantly like catching up to the circle and you're way more vulnerable doing that. And and then it's also kind of luck of the draw where you end up in terms of weapons and equipment. Like, yep. Yeah, I mean, you could go to the military base and you're... There's going to be a lot of good stuff there, but there's a shitload of people there, too. Yep. Yeah, those are the two factors you have to deal with, yeah, as far as randomization. I am both excited and a little concerned for when we start finding out, either through data data miners or through actually Blue Hole revealing it themselves, like what the uh, algorithms are for that and what the uh, rates are for that, like when, like how is it that they decide that a uh, an AK spawns here instead of uh, a pistol with nine millimeter, right? Like what are the numbers behind that? I really hope they don't that? ever release that because that'll totally ruin the game. It'll completely ruin yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, then people will, will just go crazy over Reddit over it and then they'll say it's a terrible game because that's all people do. Like the, the story behind this game, like I love this game, but the friends that I play with it, like they are also very much angry towards this game all the time because of how broken it is because it's in early access, but now it's not in early access and that causes a whole other issue. And I mean, while I agree with that, I still think, you know, it it shouldn't be lost on anyone how great of an experience this is and how much fun this game is and how much it's evolved since it's come out. I mean, vaulting wasn't a thing, right? Like this is now a totally changed game with vaulting. And there was for a long time that wasn't a thing at all. But I mean, yeah, it is uh, going back to like the randomization. Uh, that is a big factor, but eventually you play enough that you learn how to uh, deal with that. Like you find out, okay, we're in a spot where we are halfway across the map and we need to find a vehicle. So you prioritize finding a vehicle and then you get to a spot where you can uh, loop for a little longer. And then sometimes, you know, that just creates other, that amount of randomness creates other like variations of what your experience will be. Maybe you have an experience where you only have pistols and shotguns and you drive out to some place where there's more guns because you got to get out of the blue 
and right. you go somewhere where you're totally unmatched against some people, but you win. Like that happened once, you know, we won against a squad of four. We were a squad of three because, and we only had shotguns, but we won anyway, because it was just something that can happen in this game. And that's what I really love about it. I do love the randomness about it, actually, because it then, it those are the parameters you have to work around. Those are the obstacles you have to circumvent, and that's really really sweet. And uh, yeah, it's. Just I've also such noticed a good game. too in 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 that game, in general, not always, but in general, and this is a lot of the time the case in real life too. Though the. Whoever has the initiative is the person who wins. Like if you initiate the battle and you do it on your terms at the opportune moment, you have a much better chance of winning in that firefight than the other way around. Mm. And that is very true in this game and it's generally true in real life too. Mm. Like you wait for the right time, you get prepared, you have a good position and you only open up on the people just at the right time. Generally, you will completely annihilate them before they even know what's hit them. I mean, and now I, I don't want you to talk to my friend. One of my friends is extremely <laughs> aggro, and he ruins games because he's just like, we're going for it. We're doing it. And there's no conference whatsoever. He just goes for it. But I agree. That's yeah, not, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely true. As long as you go for the opportunity moment. Yeah. That's one of the other cool things about PUBG, though, right, is that everybody has their own strategies and their own uh, habits, I guess, or their own things that they get concerned about and that they prioritize over other things. Like, I'm very methodical and strategic about everything like i get to a place i loot my friends and i never try to separate we're all like we're always generally even in the same building mm. at all times mm. and then once we're all geared up uh we'll like plan a place to move out and we all move out there together and we'll we'll stop at various points along the way just to check you know and then We'll generally all agree, like when we're going to open fire on someone, or if we're going to open fire on someone. Like it's very, very, for me, it's very methodical, and that's part of the way I get through it, and I manage all the craziness of it is by sort of just strategizing and, and yeah, I guess being methodical about it and planning everything, and and even then, you know, like they say, a, a that one of the things you you learn in the military is a, a good plan only you know doesn't survive first contact with the enemy and that's totally true like you can plan as much as you want you get in contact with someone plan fucking out the door immediately yeah and you got to do some other shit entirely and that totally happens in player unknowns battlegrounds like you've got a great plan everything's going great and all of a sudden two guys roll up in a jeep everything's fucked like you didn't even know they were going to be there they come rolling in the house everything changes right away and yeah, that's that is, me that is a new yeah that is a new dynamic to the game. Like the fact that there are these ups and downs. I wrote about this at some point, but there are these ups and downs moments. Because like with Discord, I feel like I'm off, often just chilling with a lot of my friends that I wouldn't be able to. Like folks I grew up back in my hometown. Like a lot of people that I can now hang out with effectively uh, without actually being around them. Like it's kind of right. a weird. Uh, it's a weird fantasy that a lot of, or uh, a fiction that people had predicted and had uh, looked at with like disgust, kind of like, oh, there's, there's no socializing. But now it's like a real thing and it's very enjoyable that I could just hop on Discord and a lot of my friends are already there and they're playing this game or they're playing that game and we'll eventually converge on PUBG. And uh, a lot of the time we're all chatting amongst ourselves, talking about random real type, real life stuff. 
And then in a second, someone in an alarm tone will be, there's a guy uh, to the northwest 35, and uh, they're in this building. And then the dynamic changes completely. Like, there right. is so much shift in this game, and it just feels so cool that, like, the game can go from 0 to 11 in a second. And One uh, of the... Yeah. One of the best parts for me, I remember, I think I was playing, was I playing with Hunter? I can't remember. No, I think I was playing with my friend Nate. Uh-huh. And uh, we were playing it, so we were playing a duo, and we killed one guy. And so, you know, anytime you're playing a duo and you kill one person, you're always like, all right, where's the second guy? I haven't seen him yet, but he's got to be around. Like, unless we're really lucky and his partner was already killed, but you can't, you know, you can't go on that assumption. You have to wait until you see that dude before you start moving mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And sure enough, we found him. But this kid, he must have been like 11 or 12 or something, judging by but judging by his voice. He didn't. He left his damn microphone on. He didn't have push to talk on or anything. So uh, I was in the same building as him, and I heard him talking. Oh, wow. And so I was like, all right, he's totally here. He's in this building. And then yeah. I just had to figure out where he was. And so I was sneaking up the staircase to the second story, and it was hilarious. I could I could literally hear him going, "Oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck," as I was as I was going up the stairs. Yeah, and he didn't even see me. I just like I it was a it was an out like an exterior staircase. Sure, yeah. So and he was inside, and he didn't even see me. And I came up the stairs, and there was a window perfectly looking at him. I just popped up instant. Shotgun to the face, and blew him away, and then he just screamed because I scared the shit out of him. That's great. I just started laughing. It could have been me. I, I am often terrified in this game by my players, and I, I never know if I'm chatting with people because I think I have push to talk on. You could have killed me, Mike. You, you may not even know. Would have been terrible. The safest thing to do is just put mute on, just just permanently mute your microphone, and yeah. then communicate in another program. Yeah, I almost uh, exclusively play with Discord and no chat amongst uh, right. random people online. I don't like playing with talking to random strangers. But yeah, I don't either. Yeah, but that is definitely that's my game of the year as far as multiplayer experiences go. Absolutely, I mean, and and for many other people, it would be too. Uh, so I'm I'm a big fan of that one, and we gotta play some PUBG. We gotta get you that chicken dinner, man. It's a it's a sweet tasting dish, and uh, you'll you will never forget it. I assure you that. Yeah, I believe it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's definitely do it. But uh, for now, we're gonna call it a week. I think uh, those are our general games of the year, respectively. Uh, and folks, I'm sure you all have your own selections. So please discuss in the forums. Uh, comment on us on GamingTrend.com, or you can talk to us directly. We're both on Twitter. Uh, my name is Joe DeClara, and you can find me at Joey Dagabonuts. This is Mike Pierce, and you can find him at Grumpy Gamer. <laughs> That's Grumpy with two R's. And uh, That's me. if you have any questions, any concerns, or any stories you want to tell us about PUBG, we love stories about PUBG, as you can tell. You should email us uh, at the email address podcast at GamingTrend.com. Uh, with that, Mike, thank you so much for joining me on my show this week, 2018. It's here, a new series of uh, Joe DeClara Podcasts. Can't wait to have you on the show again. It'll be great. Yeah, man. Well, maybe next week you can come on uh, on my show for my first episode of 2018. There it is. We did it. We did it again. <laughs> Keeping it going. Mike, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. We hope you have a great day. Thank week. you, Joe.